0: Read the Bible every day, so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to Join Bible Lakes to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. The following is the English translation of Pastor Meng Wu's teaching on the book of Leviticus, chapter 24 and 25, translated by David. So read the Bible every day, and you'll be full of faith. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 24 and 25. Chapter 23 of Leviticus talk about festivals. And chapter 25 talks about the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. So chapter 23 should logically lead directly to chapter 25. Chapter 24 is an inserted passage. So why is this passage inserted? Because chapter 23 has already discussed festivals. In chapter 25 discusses the Sabbath year in the year of Jubilee, providing a continuous narrative. However, without chapter 24, we wouldn't wouldn't be able to reach 25. And why is that? Because during the festivals, there is a strong emphasis on our faith in God. The men were often have to travel to Jerusalem for the festival to present their offerings. But at that same time, the men and men power are very much needed, either before or after harvest time. So, following God's timetable is also crucial during the festivals. Moreover, festivals are involved honoring and fearing God by presenting the best offering beforehand. So, why do we need chapter 24? Well, without chapter 24, those observing the festivals wouldn't be able to transition into the Sabbath year in the year of Jubilee. Why, you wonder? Chapter 24 discusses four things, which are also the aspect of prayer before God. The first thing is to have light. We need to have light to understand why you observe the festivals. The festivals all point to the Sabbath year in the year of Jubilee. We haven't experienced these years yet, they will occur in the future during the millennial kingdom when Christ returned. So if you don't have light, you'll find observing these festivals quite dull, and you won't understand their significance. Those were observed by the Jewish people. As for us, we bear the name of God. We're now people of New Testament Christians. As Chinese people, then why do we observe these festivals? That's why we need to have light. With light, we'll understand why We observe the festivals. We'll further explain that. Second, you must eat the bread of presence. The bread of presence symbolizes the provision of Christ's life. And this provision brings us trust and rest. God will take care of us. You must have this faith. And you must have this trust. This bread will sustain us. If you don't believe that this bread can sustain us, you'll be laboring in vain. Striving and striving were harder and harder. So how will you enter into the seventh year? How would you enter in the year of Jubilee? For a whole year, for 50 years, how is it possible? Can you go without working for a year? And what will you eat and drink? So you must, in the process of chapter 24, during the festivals, in, in, enter into a process of 25-year Jubilee you must see why it is mentioned that there is incense inside the tabernacle. Third point is you must understand how to fear the name of God. Fourth, how to honor and respect people. In fact, chapter 24 is discussing these four things. So verses one through four are talking about light. You must have light to understand the significance of observing the festivals. Why observe Passover? Why we observe Pentecost? And why we have Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles? What do they symbolize? So to walk into God's timetable to know how to offer ourselves to God and how to establish a deep, intimate relationship with God, all for one thing, so we can enter into the rest God has arranged for us. And that is called light. So where does your light come from? It comes from pressing the olive oil, the lamp that you use, the fuel you use to light, to fuel the light. So what does your oil come from? It's from pressing the olives, right? From the challenges in our lives, the pressures in our life, the pressures of work, inter- through interpersonal relationships, our marital pressures, and even pressures regarding our own success, our health, and all the breakthroughs, and there's pressure. So, through these pressures in life, what flows out of it is oil, which is our obedience to God, uh, my gratitude to God, my praise to God, and my complete surrender to God's will. I believe God has the best arrangements. When the oil flows out, the lip by the light of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit ignites within us, we have light within. And then we'll understand every step that we take in our lives and every decision that we make today can bring out the light of life. So why should we timetable prior t- prioritize these? So why should we prioritize this festival? Well, otherwise that we have winter we can have our summer vacations and we have mid autumn festivals, right? And then even Christmas. And there is also the Dragon Ball festivals and Mother's Days. And we have so many holidays to celebrate already. So why should we observe the Passover and then more the, Fest- the Feast of Trumpets, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles? These are all unfamiliar to me, you ask. But you must have light because with light, you'll realize that. Walking in God's timetable brings a cycle to our lives. That I will become more and more grateful for God's salvation. I will care more and more about the truth of the Spirit. And brought down during the Pentecost in my life. And discerning what is knowledge of good and evil. I can walk on the path of the tr Or I can walk on the path of the truth of life. So why should I observe the festival of trumpets? Blowing the trumpet signifies that there is always a new beginning in my life. I await the second coming of Christ. On younger poor, I value the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That you know how to let this high priest serve us, completely removing all the impurities and corruptions from our lives. Then you will understand how to dwell with this good, with the good God, our Jesus. So, We are, so as we are intimate, that we need to know how to observe before God's table, like priest, like Mary, sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to him. So such a festival is a revelation of light. So you should pray like this. Lord, give me light in my life. I have prepared the oil, Holy Spirit, I need the oil, I need this lamp to be lit constantly. If my lamp goes out, the life that I live in this world today is not a life inside of the tabernacle. It is life outside of the world. So Lord, lead me into the tabernacle. It's a life with light. A light with the lamp. The second point from verses 5 to 9 verses 9 talks about the bread. So asking for the bread of the lord to supply us this. this is a complete trusting god so think about it carefully this bread is actually what god will provide Then you want 12 loaves and how would they be supplied and will that supply all the air supplies to eat and how is that possible one loaf of bread per tribe is that enough it's not even if we lower the numbers the 12 loaves would not even being not for the entire tribe of just one tribe of Levi. So what, so what exactly do these 12 loaves symbolize? Is it just for a few people to eat? No, it signifies one thing that God will surely provide all of our needs in life. That you must have this faith that your second prayer should be that Lord, deliver me from all the striving, the human labor so that I may walk in your grace and let grace and peace to follow me and lead me besides the still waters. That your name, our Lord, Jehovah Jehovah Jireh, means that there will be provisions on your mountain in the miracles of the five loaves and two fish and the seven loaves and the, all that multiplications are not just something that happened in the past, or in the place that where you were. But today, this provision still exists in my life. I want to enter into your grace. I want to be free from human striving, human effort. I want to seek all the provisions in your, in your life. So, can the 12 loaves really supply 12 tribes? Can the 12 loaves really supply the entire tribe of Levi? The answer is yes. This is God's provision. So for 40 years in the wilderness, nearly 6 million Israelites hardly went hungry. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't even wear out. So how how is that possible, right? In the process of our children growing up, how many pairs of shoes do they go through a year? As children grow, their knees and elbows get scrapped and the soles of their... Will wear out and then the shoelaces break, you know, and the size will get loosened and their skin gets cracked, you know. So, is that the case for all of those that have tracing kids? So, how is it possible that their shoes don't wear out, that their clothes don't tear? God tells us that it's through action that He will, through His deed, that He will provide for us. So, the light, the bread, they both signify are complete blessings to rest into trusting god the third point from verses 10 to 16 presents an incident teaching us to fear the name of god and not to blaspheme. that's actually from verses 10 to verses 16 that this person isn't considered an israelite his father was an egyptian so what is he doing here in verse 10 he was quarreling in the camp, fighting in the camp. And in verse 11, he, he blasphemies against the holy people and boasting about what? And his mother's name is Sholemeth. Sholemeth means a person who lives in peace with others. And this person had a had a good temper. So, but do you see verse, in verse 10, is he peaceful in the camp? Is he fighting with people? In the latter part of verse 11, he mentions that the daughter of a man from the tribe of Dan. So, what does Dan mean? To honor God's word, to regard God's word. But do you see that this person is doing that? No, he isn't. He was a blasphemer, m- blasphemer. So, how do we understand to educate, to guide our children to fear our God so that we can truly enter into true rest? How do we nurture our children? And how do we learn to honor God and live before God? So Moses also didn't take the matter into his own hands. So what did Moses do? Look at verse 12. And they put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be clear to them. So how to educate and edify our children and how to honor God and how to live before God and how to fear the name of the Lord, you really need to spend time waiting. Many things sometimes exceeds our experience and beyond our own understanding, uh, logical thinking and all. Just pause, just stop and rest and be still and wait for how God will guide like right? what you should say and how God will lead you and move forward in faith. So even if it means that risking your life and uh, the whole congregation shall participate in this matter together. As seen in verse 14 to 16, that let all the congregations stone him to death. Which means what? Everyone work together to solve this issue of sin. So why do we bring children to God, ch- to church today? And why do we guide our children? Sometimes we can't do it alone. Brothers and sisters, we all pray together for our children. And all the brothers and sisters that we teach, in, we teach in this church, and we teach the next generations of the kingdom of God and the next generation of the church that we encourage each other. So those are, so we're not just caring for those are our own children, but you know, all of our children. That the children that we teach are all God's children, the children of God's kingdom. So we teach them, and as we wait. And we will remain quiet and we will look up, look up the light of educating the next generation is within us and our children should fear God and honor our God. So don't just lead your children towards worldly achievements and towards worldly fame and fortune. I'll save money for you. Oh, I'll buy a house for you and then I'll prepare a car for you. So you can just get married well in the future and study well to achieve success. This kind of teaching pushes your children towards a worldly pursuit. So we should let our children know that studying well is for influence people in various field. And in, in the all the 73 regions in the future, the seven mountains in, in the future, so that um, people can know God. So you can be prepared well. And Father God will say, you know, for sure, you know, as your father will save money for you, will prepare you to, for some things for you, in all to let you experience a, a deeper sense of faith. So God will provide for you. And even if the parents can provide for you, you should know that you have a father, that you should fear him, and you should honor him, and he should, and he shall keep, he should keep, you should keep his name. Then we will find that this child will learn to fear god and in, in the fourth sections um, from verses 17 to verses 23 introduces a crucial concept honoring others like right? throughout these verses there is a repeated condemnation of harming others emphasizing that the prohibition uh, the prohibitions of against of injuring and manhandling or or you know, aggressing against one another. And the purpose of this warning is to remind us not to engage in behavior. that harms others, that the injuries are there, as this is a grave offense before the Lord. It may even incur in penalty of death um, for inflicting injuries and harm to others. So these four, these four things tells us that we must pray before the Lord, that we ask Him for guidance and for enlightenment. So we can face life challenges, pressures, rightly. We should be grateful, raised, and we fear God and knowing that He will provide for all our needs. And our offerings and signs should be used under God's guidance. Whether it is in family, work, or church settings with the aims of providing for life and serving others. At the same time, we should also learn how to fear God and teach our children how to revere our God. We should guide them onto the path of life, teaching them to fear the Lord rather than just pursuing worldly achievements in vain. And finally, in chapter 25, we see the importance of the Sabbath, right? The section emphasizes observing the Sabbath and to rest before God. As it is prepared for humanity to learn about, you know, experience God during rest. At the same time, the land also observes Sabbath. Because it exists for God. And He will personally provide the needs of the land as well. Therefore, we should live lives of honoring and fearing God. And showing compassion and serving others. And that we can truly enjoy the blessing of the Sabbath year. These guidelines help that our life should be built on trust and fear of the Lord and centered on our love and service to others so we can truly enjoy the promised blessings from God. Lord, because of the failures in my life and because of the losses and the damages caused by mistakes in my past, I acknowledge that when you come, everything will be restored to us, returning to his rightful owner and each of their own inheritance. In the marriage, the parent-child relationship lost and the confidence and the dignity lost in the workplaces due to my own mistaken failures. I may carry shame, self-doubt and regrets throughout my remaining days. Perhaps in my past, in my own circumstances, in my own immature state, my words and actions and thoughts were immature, and I may have hurt my parents, hurt myself, or even damaged my futures and the well-being of my children. So from verse A to verse 10, it tells us about a year called the year of Jubilee, during which there will be a great proclamation. And this is to signify that in this year, all those who have been oppressed and all those who have sold their Possessions or and themselves into the servitude due to the mistakes will return to the original order established by good Lord. So, this is akin to returning to the uh, Edenic stake back in Titan of Eden, and it is also our deepest longing for the future millennial kingdom. Therefore, dear family, you must have this heart that I truly. Long for your return, Lord. Perhaps your marriage is very painful. And perhaps there is conflict between you and your children. And even perhaps that you seemingly have everything, a good family, a good marriage, and with wonderful children. But there is a deep dissatisfaction within you. Perhaps the wounds inflicted by your family or origins still linger, causing pain and resentment in your adult life. You may feel a lack of security, a lack of true rest, and lots of internal pain and resentment. You can ask the Lord God, can you allow me to experience the abundance of the year of Jubilee in my remaining years? This abundance of the year of Jubilee can be experienced today in Jesus Christ. So you can ask the Lord for help. Jesus, lead me into the blessing of the year of jubilee lead me to reclaim you know my inheritance to return to my rightful inheritance so as you read on from verses 11 to 17 it begins by saying return right return return do not deceive one another do not oppress one another god will provide the year jubilee signifies that god shall provide he's our provision so why can not we live in such a peaceful life today Free from the pressures of worrying about job loss or feeling worthless. So why can we feel confident even in failed marriages? Knowing that in our pain and failure, that our dignity and honor will be restored. Everything will be returned to you. The year of Jubilee will be restored to you, never to be taken away again. In verse 17, it says, You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God. For I am the Lord, your God. Even what was lost in the past, God will restore it to you. This is the blessing of the year of the Jubilee. So dear family, if it weren't for chapter 24 that you would often by seeking light inside of the tabernacle, you didn't constantly enter into the presence of God and into the tabernacle and waiting on God's presence. Service and you didn't continually seeking um, the sustenance of your life, and you would not have the reference for God, that you wouldn't have the dignity towards people if you experience not that. So in comparison to the year of Jubilee for you, you would be very difficult, really difficult. So are you really not trying, not striving? And would I not do anything? God is challenging our logical mind, challenging our thinking process, because since Adam's sin, the concept of sweating for your bread has been ingrained in us. So we feel like that we have to strive. We strive without or without effort. What will we eat? You know. But today, God is guiding us to back to the time of. Eden and back to the beginning and back to the original purpose of our lives. Perhaps that you haven't experienced a lot of hurt in your upbringing. Perhaps your values have been distorted by your upbringing or maybe your parents always told you to just make money, study hard and be successful. Or maybe you've always been told that you're no good, that you can't do it and how did that end up with a child like you. And you may have suffered many distortions of values. God promises us to return to the original state that He has made us. This is the blessing of the year of Jubilee. So you can say to the Lord, "Oh Lord God, bring me before you, to restore my original goodness and place a childlike heart in me, a truly humble heart, a heart that trusts you without doubt and to be my light my bread of sustenance sustenance and to let my heart have reference for you and to let me honor every person so I won't be defensive or seek to harm others. I, I want to think, I want to overcome the desires to compare myself with others. I want to honor and respect every person. And so this is what It's called the year of Jubilee. In verses 18 to 23, remind us of people questioning. What will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather in our crops? Isn't this what people often think? Doesn't God often talk about this in the Gospel of Matthew? Do not worry about what to eat or drink. What does that mean to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and and the rest will be provided to you. So the kingdom of God is the timetable for entering God's kingdom and the laws of God's kingdom. So what does seeking God's righteousness mean? It means living in God's presence, simply believing in Him, living in His laws, living by His perspective, His percepts, living in His grace, living under His guidance, and this is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seek this and you will find that your heavenly Fathers has arranged everything that you need. God is also challenging our faith. Many Christians work hard on our faith. And some in church talk about, you know, a prosperity talks. Some talk about financial investments and some even tell you, you know, how to excel and progress in different areas, but God's law do not talk about these things. God's law tells us to seek His kingdom and His righteousness first. And all of this, our Heavenly Father has paid for us. It is difficult because our minds are too complicated that we ask God to make us like stars in a dark sea or we say that we sell chapter 24. You cannot enter into chapter 25. And chapter 25 seems like a fairy tale to us. So chapter 24 is the light inside the dark narco. The bread inside the tabernacle, that that real reverence for God, a real fear of the Lord, and real dignity towards people. Only then can you live out chapter 25. And don't skip chapter 24. God help me. Help me live the life of chapter 25 and the life of the Sabbath and the life of the Tripoli. The restoration of my originality. So when my originality is restored, bitterness is taken away, insecurity is taken away, inferiorities, shame, you know, all that will be taken away. The fear, worry, offenses of others inside of me, my inability to forgive others, and fear of being inferior to others, in the deepest fear, all that, God takes to me all the way, and you will truly find in verses 21 and 22 in the six years God will bless you with plenty enough for three years so what you eat in the six years will last until the eighth years and God will provide in verses 23 to 28 we realize that we have dignity towards others we don't deceive cheat or take advantage of others nor will we feel oppressed that we are not just laborers And not just under, um, living under the boss's thumbs, right? So when it comes to uh, layoff workers, that we are first to be sacrificed. And in verses 23 to 28, that remind us that we will know that God holds our property, holds our estate. My, our, my inheritance is measured by God and I will not lose everything. Now, even if there are some losses even if there are some deficits now even if there are some difficulties now that you should know please read verse 25 that if one of your fellow israelites becomes poor and sells some of their properties and their to their relatives is to come and to redeem what they have sold so the expression that their nearest relatives implies the next of kin that redeemer is close to us to appear we will read about this in the book of Ruth. This Redeemer's willingness to take responsibility is like a legal, like legal requirement. If he doesn't accomplish this, he can't sleep. God does not want us to suffer loss. He will surely restore to us. He will take care of us. He will provide for us. The key is that we must know that I have absolute trust that in this closest relative, near relative, that He will redeem everything that I have lost. And so salvation is not just about my soul being redeemed. Salvation is about transforming me from all unhealthiness to healthiness. I can rule with God. In the millennium, I will be like a king. I can govern those wounded people who have gone through the great tribulation, that they have experienced must fear, terror, and panics during the great tribulations. So they have suffered from all the famine, the plagues, the pains. As a king with God's nature inside of me, I can comfort them and provide for them. I can teach them and I can help them. This is the kind of, this is a kind God who says that he is our honor relative, right? He is our best redeemer. So just as he redeemed me in the past, that we will also redeem you in this millennium. And this is our life. So from verses 29 to 31, it is all about selling and about redeeming and buying back. Verses 32 to 34 are interesting. Speaking to the um, posing parties, speaking to the ordinary servants that we are, will not be lacking. So, whoever leaves the house, or even leaves their marriage, or leaves their children, this leaving is not neglect. You prioritize the kingdom of God. When you make your choices, you're prioritizing the kingdom of God, God will provide for you. Whatever you lose, whether it's your family relationship, your marital companionship, or some important events, or celebrations, and sacrifices that you make for sake of God's church, For gathering, God will restore to you. This is the blessing of Jubilee. In the kingdom of God, He will bestow all honors and abundance upon us. So verses 35 to 38, remind us that in the Jubilee life, that which we can now live, that we should supplies and assist others and without seeking profits or even expecting anything in return. So from verses 39 to 43, all the, ways to the, all the ways to the end of verse 55, it talks about impoverished people becoming servants, even selling themselves to slaves and recover from their losses. In Bible, he does not mention that God intends to change the system of slavery because God himself became the image of a slave, redeem us from sin. So salvation does not bring about a reform. Salvation brings about transformation of the entire generation's life, rescuing people from sin, corruptions, enslavement, coercions, and greed. This is God's internal intention. So as you look at every aspect of slavery mentioned earlier, every segment speaks of hearing, fearing God. So dear family, in fact, we're all servants and we are all slaves, but we have been saved from the slavery of sin in Jubilee that today that we are reminded that what should we become righteous servants we should become servants of God we should become righteous good faithful servant to become a servant that is to be a slave but God loves us to such an extent that he gives give us honor he gives the slave an inheritance he gives the slave a transformed life so the slave is transformed slave becomes a son and the son can inherit the inheritance, the legacies. The son is transformed that we become intimate with Christ, that we completely are one with God. So the entire light of the Jubilees. And if we do not have this understanding, you will think that chapter 25, it's just a fairy tale. So where does this understanding come from? It comes from the light of chapter 24. So, why do you have to live a good life in chapter 24 today? You had to live a church life. You had to live a life, a close You had to live a life of inner life with God. And you must have lived a life of fearing the Lord and honoring people. Chapter 25 is not a fairy tale for us. Chapter 25 is the life that we will live in the internal New Jerusalem in the Millennium. And this is where everything can be restored. So we can help provide, we can teach and change that we are completely one with God, that we are truly like God, truly able to bring those who do not yet know God in the millennium, that we can guide them through our lives. And truly as Paul said, "For to me, to live is Christ. So to bless your family, live well before God in the chapter 24 and 25 and let every segment of it spoken of chapter 25 to become the principle of your life in the millennium and even in the presence of kingdom. Amen. Dear families, we hope that you enjoy the Bible race as much as we do. If you are willing to volunteer to translate the original Chinese teaching into English or assist with video editing, please email service at 360sunrise.com. Thank you.